and welcome to the Q York podcast, brought to you from our local church in the beautiful city of York in the UK. The message you're about to hear is from one of our services, which also feature great live music and relevant movie clips. These can all be found on our blog, so to make sure you're getting the full experience, feel free to head over to qyork.co.uk and select blog to find the relevant content. There's also a huge selection of talks and live music videos on our media page, as well as a donate button if you'd like to show your appreciation and enable us to keep producing free content like this. Finally, to stay up to date on new blogs and events at Q, you can sign up for emails by filling in your name and email address at the bottom of any page on the website. But right now, it's time for the message. Welcome. <laughs> I wasn't quite as dramatic as the other two. I should have like sprung to action, but I didn't. I wasn't as good. Um, anyway, welcome. Happy New Year 2024. I think we're on now. Get that right. Um, it's nice to see everyone. Did everyone have a nice Christmas? Good. Good. Anyone have a dramatic Christmas? Oh, yep. We had a few of those as well. Won't ask now, but I'm sure we can share the stories later. I had a quite dramatic Christmas. It was fun. Um, families are great, aren't they? Um, anyway, moving on from that. So, quickly, I'm only going to be up very quick this morning. We're having a morning where we, lots of people are contributing, and it's going to be fantastic, and it's lovely. But I wanted to very quickly recap 2023, and all that we managed to do in 2023 is Q. Because we are a little bit smaller now, but it doesn't mean we have any less of an impact. So... This was the list I came up with. Feel free to add a few things in in your head if you have missed some. So, Rob joined us. He started coming to speak. That was exciting, wasn't it? That was something new that we hadn't had before. We did a dance show. I can't remember when we did that. Can somebody shout, when did we do that? June, we did the dance show. That's, I, I can't remember dates. I'm terrible. But we did a dance show. We had a beach day. Uh, I think it wasn't quite as sunny this year as the year before, but it was still pretty enjoyable. Uh, we've had walk and talks, numerous walk and talks. I haven't been to very many, sorry. Uh, but this year, I might be more up for walking um, than I was last year, so we'll see. Um, let's have a look what else. Garden party at Maggie and Dave's. That happened this year. We, we launched our second Airbnb. So that's going pretty, yeah, that deserves a woo, especially for Claire and Danny who put in a massive amount of work, and Mick and Sarah who did some painting and anybody else who contributed, that was brilliant. We had Wicked Origins, that was a bit of a highlight, wasn't it, let's be honest. Um, we had a bonfire night, that was a light, definitely, um, not the highlight, but a light, and it was a bit wet, but never mind. The Q Kids did a Halloween party, which was amazing, they did such a good job of that, that was, and they've been going all year, that was incredible as well, that our kids have had some really good input this year. Uh, we did the reflection nights just before Christmas. Well done, Kelly, for doing that. Um, we welcomed Teddy and Isaac to our Q family. Some new little ones and some other new older people as well, who I'm sure I'd like to mention you all, but, you know, there's some older new, new additions as well. But it wasn't all highlights. We had some, some slightly less highlighty bits as well. So Jenny's stepped down now from being our, our main steerer of the ship. So she's cheering. That's a highlight for Jenny. It's sad for the rest of us, but a highlight for Jenny. We'll keep it in the highlight section then, Jenny. I'll move it back up to the other bit. Um, our cleaner, Sarah, hung up her feather duster from us. That was a sad day as well. But we've got a lovely new cleaner. So there's, you know, there's collateral beauty and all of that in a, and cleaning in all of that as well and John we lost our faithful and loyal friend John and that was a definite low point in the year for all of us um, we did a lot last year and there's been bits that I miss and you will all have your highlight reel in your head of what we've done over the last year um, and, and the low points as well um, 
and we've got another 12 months ahead of us, or Kev would probably tell us years ahead of us. He doesn't like me rounding it up to just a small amount. But anyway, we've got, we've, well, let's focus on the next six to 12 months ahead of us, and who knows what that will hold, but it will hold all of you, I hope, and, um, and some exciting things. And if you've got ideas that, of what you would like it to hold, come and see us and tell us, because we're sort of piecing all of that together at the moment. Um, but for now, we're going to start with today and what's happening today, and um, we're moving on, I think, to a video. So, expectations versus reality. It's been a very big reality for me over Christmas, which I'll go into in a minute. And even on the way into church this morning, George said to me, so I made a New Year's resolution, that I, Daniel like this, to practice my piano. And I've already failed. <laughs> I thought, mate, you're only a week in, it's all right. But... Um, something Jenny said to me once about George and his piano. She said, what's wrong with him just going to Danny's for half an hour every week and just enjoying music for half an hour? Why does it have to be anything more than that? And I think what we're going to discuss a little bit this morning is the whole idea of new, new year, new you, and everything that surrounds that sort of pressure that we can put ourselves under with the start of a new year. Um, and... You know, but what is it about a new there that makes us want to create a new start? It's kind of like a natural order of things a little bit, and we kind of get a little bit stuck into that uh, resolution thing, which, which can, as George said this morning, make you feel like you've failed before you've even started, and that's not a great way to start your year either, is it, feeling like that? And in principle, there's nothing wrong with setting goals, but social media, you know, as beautifully illustrated in that clip, is currently awash with people who started running, wanting to change their physical appearance, get fit, look better, try harder, do more, get outside more, work harder, get new jobs, da-da-da-da-da. And it's like you almost start this, the year with this immense pressure on yourself. Out with the old, in with the new. And I um, like this quote that I, I asked them to share on the screen. Is it up there? Yeah. Um, let me, I can't actually see it from here. I'll read it to you as well. So, you don't need a new you. You don't need replacing every year like another iPhone. Don't throw yourself away like another piece of plastic trash. Love the old you. Improve, evolve, do better. But head towards yourself and not away. And be gentle with your mind. And I really like that because I think that's a much more realistic way to live your life. Um, because you matter and you're not disposable of dispendable and who you are now is what's got you to now. And, um, you know, you might have had a year that you've just survived it and you're just really glad 2023 is over and you can, you can just embrace a new start. But what's lovely about nature is that every single day is an opportunity for a new start and you don't need a new year to have that. But also... Who you are matters and counts and you're valid. And your reality is actually where your, um, your joy and your peace can come from, no matter what that looks like. So my Christmas reality this year, um, you know, I was doused in expectation of what I wanted it to be like. You know, you want to do all the panto trips and the, uh, you've got to go ice skating with the kids, you've got to do gingerbread houses, you've got to have your family round, have a knees up, make a great Christmas dinner, it's got to look the part, feel the part. Oh, when you've got kids as well, it's just so much pressure. 
But what happened to me is I woke up Christmas Day night and completely vomited everywhere and I caught a sickness bug, which was great fun. And my entire boxing day was spent with my head over the loo, with my pretty nails and my fake tan, um, which I thought appreciated those in those moments. Um, but what it did to me is give me a right slap back into reality. And that for me, my reality is that my Christmas was awash with sickness, as was James's. And for a while, I felt a real sense of FOMO, fear of missing out, that everyone else was doing fun things and we weren't, and what a letdown it was and what a disappointment. And then I read this quote and I thought, you know what, let's just face this reality. And the reality was is I needed to rest, I needed to get better, and I needed to just be at peace with where I was. And actually, the silver lining to it all is that I got very, very rested, which is something me and James are really crap at. And so we, we did, we chilled out and we felt really good for it. We had some great family time with the kids and it, and it was really nice. And actually, I had to just lean into my reality. And once I did that, it was almost like I could respond and embrace to what was going on and not worry about what could be. Because I think what the problem is, is we set ourselves these expectations um, but when you're just living under your expectations, what you're doing is just avoiding your reality, and actually, you're, ne you're never actually getting anywhere, because you're always wanting to be somewhere else, or with someone else, or doing someone else, or be better, instead of saying, well, who I am is great, and actually, I can make small little adaptations to myself to help me evolve and grow, and every day, again, the seasons show us how in winter time you lay your roots and you cut back. The autumn shows us how when you let go of certain things and things die, that new things can grow. But they don't happen like this. It happens over seasons and time. And actually, if every day we're just making conscious efforts to be more awakened to our realities and who we are, and embrace that, I think we'll find contentment. And contentment is actually where you'll find joy and peace, essentially, because it's learning to kind of live with where you are and evolve and move in that and lean into that. So what expectations are you living under? And what's your reality? And what can you respond to? So it's like my current reality is the kids are back at school tomorrow. Me and James have got a year full of work to find because we currently don't have any. So I start my new year instead of a happy new year. It's quite an anxious new year. And we've got the tax bill looming at the end of the month, which is always a really tr great treat from the inland revenue. Um, and, but I can respond to that. I can embrace my anxiety and say, that makes me feel a bit nervous and I've got, you know, there's, there's pressures there. But I can then respond to that also and say, well, I need to help get the kids up and get them to school, and I can do that. I can sit down and do my admin and make sure my tax return's done, and it's just those little things that will help you then get to where you need to be, instead of being so overwhelmed by what's ahead of you that you don't actually, you, you just feel stressed, basically. Um, and so my point is, you know, expectation versus reality. I think I take reality every time because reality is where you can actually make change in your life. And your expectations, you can't. You're just living under a constant pressure. So find a pace that's healthy for you. You don't have to be X by this time or Y done by then. 
but embrace the new morning, the new start, and the new opportunity of a new day of awakened hearts, conscious minds, and your beautiful, wonderful, messy reality. Hello, good morning. Happy New Year. I think I'm finished saying Happy New Year now for a week, this week. In fact, I think I'm going to introduce something like a swear jar at home. Anytime someone says Happy New Year, they have to pop some money in there. And if they do a Happy New Year hug, it's double. <laughs> Just because the clock struck 12 a few days ago doesn't mean you get to hug me until the end of time. When does it stop, please? No, seriously, I'm asking, when will it stop? Because I need to know. How long do I need to be in hiding for? Anyway, <laughs> Happy New Year, Happy New Year. That's it, I'm done. Swear jar, done. But why does it have to be happy? Why does everything have to be happy all the time? Happy New Year, Happy New Year. Well, this year we'll throw you some challenges. And so, some of my thoughts about the New Year led me uh, to this verse in the Bible, actually. It just came to mind when we've been kind of preparing for this. And it comes from... Uh, James, chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. It's probably up there. Yep, thank you. So it says, Consider it a pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So how do you react to the trials of life? Oh, great. A challenge. I love a challenge. <laughs> Can't wait to get my teeth stuck into this challenge. What a joy. So do you consider it a joy? Anyone? Show of hands? Well, no one's feeling brave today. <laughs> I definitely don't. So what's James on about? Why should it be joyful? Well, he says, because you get a chance to put your faith to the test. And you think, oh, that doesn't sound like a joyful activity. But when it says faith there, right, it's not necessarily talking about the Christian faith as we've come to kind of understand it over the last 2,000 years. But actually, it's more like our persuasions and our value system and our inner beliefs uh, that we've accepted as truth. And this is an important thing to change regularly, I think, not just on the 1st of January. These trials of life, that put us into a state where we have to become and this is why it should be embraced with joy, because if you look at the joy of a child, for example, I know some people, oh, my children, are joyful most of the time, but they certainly have their moments. <laughs> um, but they're, they're constantly in a state of becoming, right? So, you know, they end up with bumps and scrapes, tears, tantrums. They don't get it right all the time. But the joy of becoming is still there. And obviously, this is what Jesus is talking about when he encourages us to change and become like children. But... We end up growing out of this joyful experience because we actually think that we've become something. And it's kind of like the, you draw a line in the sand and say, I'm this now, and you kind of can leave it there. But Alan Watts once said, you have absolutely no obligation to be the same person that you were five minutes ago. And when you think about it, he's right. We have these beliefs about ourselves that say, I'm not the sort of person who could do this or who could do that. Believe me, I've been there this week. Or, I always react negatively in this situation. Instead of saying, 
there's an opportunity here to challenge who I think I am and grow in maturity. It's the beliefs that we hold about ourselves that are the driving factor in overcoming these challenges. But often, we have to bring them into our consciousness as we're not aware of them. Now, there's a little side point here that is something that I read that was quite interesting this week. Um, from one James to another, this guy is called James Clear. He has a book called Atomic Habits, which I got for Christmas. And he describes a system used in Japan by railway staff, and it's called pointing and calling. <laughs> it's a system designed to heighten awareness, right? So each operator who works there, they point and they call out the information. For example, when a train approaches a signal, an operator will point and say, the signal is green, but in Japanese. Um, <laughs> and as the train pulls in, in and out of each station, right, the operator will point at the speedometer and call out the exact speed. What else will they do? Uh, and then when it's, time, uh, when it's time to leave, the operator will point uh, at the timetable and state the time that it left or the time that it's, the next train's coming and all the rest of it. I mean, we kind of have that in England. We've got that kind of you think, thanks for that. Yeah, I really understand what's going on now. So the Japanese have got this down. You know, they're all standing on the platform. They've got the white gloves on and they're going... That's not, I don't know what I'm doing there. That's not Japanese. But anyway, and they'll say, you know, all clear. Uh, before each, each train departs, staff members will point at the edge of the platform, declare all clear, every detail is identified, pointed out, and named out loud. Um, so while pointing and calling might seem silly, it actually works incredibly well, and it's effective because it raises the level of awareness from a non-conscious thing to a conscious thing. And because the, train because the train operators have to use their hand, mouth, and ears, they're more likely to notice problems before something goes wrong. It's like when you leave the house and you go, keys, phone, wife, <laughs> children, whatever. Um, so it, it does sound a bit silly to start calling things out in your life like that, but it does help raise the consciousness of things that are going on. And I think you could experiment with that idea in everyday life. It's helpful uh, spot, spotting habits. Uh, sorry, this technique is helpful for spotting habits, but he states that uh, behaviors and habits are actually a result of what we believe about ourselves. So when you're about to make a decision, for example, if you want to try this out, point and say out loud, for example, oh, I'm about to bite my fingernails now, even though it does no good for me. Or I'm scrolling Instagram because I can't solve the problem I'm having at work. It might look a bit funny to other people as well, but until something's in our awareness, we can't really do anything about it. So that was a bit of a side point, uh, a little technique you could try. But when you're faced with a trial, a lot of these habits and beliefs will come to the surface. And pointing and calling them will bring, will bring them to your awareness, which means you've got a better chance of success because you're now aware of what's going on in you. So this will help in the perseverance part of the verse above the perseverance of the trial, and in James it says, let perseverance uh, see you through, which will make you mature and complete. So this year, let's find joy in the challenges ahead. Uh, let's be honest with ourselves, 
Let's point and call out our beliefs so that we can grow in maturity and, according to James, in maturity, there's no lack. And that's the way you could kind of have a happy new year. So that's where I'll draw to a close. But I will just say that I've been speaking a little bit with Joel and as we've been kind of um, merging these ideas together, it turns out that we're all kind of thinking along a similar line. So Joel's about to come up now and he will flesh out probably some of these things and develop on the things that I've said here. So thank you for listening and come on, Joel. Proud of you, Kev. That was amazing. Absolutely brilliant. Um, my favourite part, though, was the uh, keys, phone, wife, kids. Keys, phone are the, the important part. <laughs> it's good to see you all, and a very happy new year to you all. Uh, it's interesting, I, I love the Christmas period, uh, mainly because I've realised not only do I like the music, the tree, uh, the sounds, the smells, the food, um, I've realised for me it's, it's a bit of downtime. Things are very fast, you know, with work. Um, and things just slow down and it's a time to reflect and think and um, so to me leading into the new year it does offer a perfect opportunity to think about what it is you want, what it is you see um, and when Claire played that video earlier, um, she's, have you, you've played it before right Claire? Interestingly I just said to Jenny it's funny how when you see things a second time you hear things that you didn't see the first time and depending where you are in your life at that specific point something jumps out to you and you hear something it was there before but it, it connects with, with where you are in your own life. And it's funny, because uh, the thing that, that, that uh, sprung out to me was all these people waking up at 5.30 to have, you know, granola and yogurt and do yoga. I'm waking up at 5.30 to be at work for six, and I can barely grab a, you know, grab cereal to get out the door. And it's like, I look and... I'm not going to be bitter or resentful or anything, but sometimes I think, where do you find the time? So one of the things I have to look at is rather than allowing that feeling of, well, why do you get the time? Looking at my own life and saying, well, if I want to do that, what do I need to put in place in my own life to be able to achieve that? I think sometimes comparisons can be a problem. So we can look at other things and think, well, it's not fair. How do they get to do X? Whereas actually all we can do is nurture our own lives and find the place where we can grow in our, in our own selves. So that brings me to talk a little bit about the history of where New Year's resolutions came from. Do any of you know? Good, George, I knew you would. I knew you'd be on the ball. <laughs> so historians largely agree that the Babylonians were the first to have made New Year resolutions over 4,000 years ago. Now, this was done in March during a religious festival whereby they reaffirmed their loyalty to the reigning king. The Babylonians believed that not upholding their practice would make them fall short of God's favour. Now jump forward for, to 46 BC when the Romans reformed the calendar. The name January came from Janus, the god with two faces. This was symbolic to represent one face looking at that which had passed and the other looking forward. And this is largely where we got the idea of New Year's resolutions from. So we can see the idea of new beginnings within religious movements all over the world. Christianity is based on the idea of being born again, dying to the old self, rising in the new. We've got scriptures like 2 Corinthians, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. Isaiah 43, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old, 
Behold, I am doing a new thing in you. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Philippians 3. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize. It's everywhere, right? That, that concept. The Hindus see the new year as growth and prosperity. People engage in various rituals, prayers, and festive activities to start the year, cleaning and decorating homes, wearing new clothes. The Buddhists are very similar. They believe New Year is about purification and renewal. Again, they clean their homes as a symbolic representation of sweeping away all that was bad in the previous year. Can I please just throw in at this point, if you're only cleaning your home on January the 1st, come and talk to me, because we have a problem. <laughs> Judaism has similar themes that see in the new year as the most important festival of the year and a time for rejoicing and introspe introspection, introspection. Now, the statistics show, get this, that only 28% of people stick by the resolutions that they make in January. 28%. That's not particularly great, is it? Now, some of you might not know, I work in a gym. So outside of teaching dance, I also work in a gym. Now, there is no institution on this earth that resembles New Year resolutions more vividly. I mean... To watch it unfold is really quite incredible. I've been there five years and it still mesmerizes me. In fact, now get this, it gets so busy that loyal and long-standing members often request to cancel their membership and return in March when the resolutionists have all got bored and are back in the pub eating their burger and drinking their beer. So why are New, Year, New Year's resolutions so appealing? And why has it become so popular in modern day culture? Well, it can be described as a fresh start and the clean slate effect. Some of you may have heard those terms before. I would like to add here that it's what used to be, or still is, the pull towards the common Christian salvation narrative. You'll have heard this before, though my sins were as crimson, so he will make them white as snow. It was the idea that the act of being saved was about transforming what you were and becoming clean, a clean slate, being born again, a fresh start. So the whole concept of resolutions, having messed up again, you get the opportunity to fix it. Is there anything fundamentally wrong with this idea? Personally, I would say no, okay? But the premise and the orientation of the desire can be dangerous, as we have seen in our own religious deconstruction in the journey that we've been on. Now why? Mainly because the focus is on not messing up again and not making a mistake, which will most certainly happen in some variation at some point. Kind of like what Kev was talking about. Thus, the result is feeling a failure and waiting 11 months until we can try it all over again. Going back to the gym, people say, I set myself the task of eating healthy and going to the gym five times a week. 
but I just binged a whole packet of biscuits. My day is ruined, the resolution failed, and I may as well just now eat whatever I want and cancel my gym membership. I put here, this attitude is akin to getting one flat tire and in order to fix it, slashing the remaining three. I would argue that the biggest reason why resolutions fail is the fatal error of fluctuating between all or nothing perfectionism or I'll do it when I feel like it. Some of you will hear that very clearly depending on what personality type you are. Wanting to make your life better is a noble aim and it is absolutely achievable and desirable with the right strategy. And I believe here at Q, it's all about strategies, it's all about ideas, right? That's what the early church was about, right? It was about, look, this is where we are now. How do we move forward from this? And I'm still grateful for the fact we have this forum where we can present lots of different ideas to different things. Like I say, that video that Claire played, I've heard that in a different light today, and it's really helped me to go away and think, how do I want my life to look this year? The truth is, a healthy orientation is not trying to maintain a clean slate. Anyone who grew up under evangelical Christianity will know what I mean. The constant wrestle to achieve holiness and righteousness only served to increase one's feeling of failure. What, what do you think was happening when people used to raise their hand every single week at the altar call? Some of you are giggling, I can see. Now, this isn't to suggest that people who did it didn't have an authentic or genuine heart at all. You know, that's not what's trying to be implied here. But you see, if there's an expectation that an experience is supposed to create something and then you fail or something goes wrong, you constantly fear that you have to achieve a certain goal, it, it doesn't serve anyone in the long run, right? And we're not growing in that process. A healthy orientation is to be focused on your goals and the rational process required to achieve it. Paul in Romans says, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. One has to consciously make decisions that serve their desired goals and not ones that contradict it. So why do resolutions tend to fail? There can be a suggested view that if humans truly had free will, then change would be easy. You would simply just choose to change. Many use the excuse of historical determinism as a justification for their failure. The idea that every thought and action is controlled by previous factors in your life, stating that nothing can ever be any different or everything in the future is already set and inevitable. Is this ringing true with anybody? I personally completely reject this theory even though I've experienced it myself despite accepting that past experiences can affect the way that we think and feel in the present. Now, I did a whole talk about how emotions, um, about emotions last year, that you might be interested in going to see how emotions play a part in the way that we perceive life. So obviously I'm not gonna go into that now. <clears throat> but what is it that makes change so hard? Humans can become prone to living life by default rather than consciously and through effort. You see, a new process of thought isn't automatic, it's not instinctive, and it's not infallible. It has to be initiated to be sustained 
and more importantly, to be practiced. I have said this many times before. Many don't realize that the thing that they are trying to resolve through a New Year's resolution has become an automatized position based on previous practiced belief systems. This isn't about blaming yourself, but we have created our reality by a process of repeated thought more than we are often willing to accept. Change is not easy, but it, it is required for growth. That is, if you want to grow. And here's what I'm gonna say. If you've set yourself New Year's resolutions, I would suggest it's very clear that we want to. So, I love Richard Rower's quote where he says, if there is such a thing as human perfection, it seems to emerge precisely in how we handle the imperfections. A perfect person is one who can consciously forgive and include imperfection rather than believe that they should be beyond it. Really powerful. Or how about the famous quotes that we've used regularly at Q from Brennan Manning's book, The Relentless Tenderness of Jesus. In settler theology, failure is not remaining loyal to the courthouse, whereas in pioneer theology, it's wanting to turn back. Instead of letting failure be condemning, let it make us curious and lead us towards growth. If one is to succeed, we have to change our relationship with time. The idea it's a one-time event, an all-or-nothing trap based on deadlines you have been given. By this I mean resolutions don't have to just be a one-time event based on a point in the calendar. I remember years back when, when Dad talked about um, rolling in the scroll so everything became within manageable boundaries. I think far too many of us try and include so much within our frame of reference and we're trying to resolve it all where the truth is we just need to rein it all in and walk the process and become more conscious of what's happening with our daily life right here, right now, right in the present. Um, sorry, where was that? <clears throat> yeah, new mercies. We have new mercies every morning. The sun rises with healing in its wings. With every breath, there is a new opportunity. So as I conclude, why do you want to change and for what purpose? The why of a resolution has to be strong. I would say the why is the most important part. When your why is strong, you gain clarity on the means by which you need to achieve it to become a reality. Again, Dad talked years back about the because. That which you be is because of your cause. Um, I saw a great talk this week that talked about rather than having goals, have a theme. And I thought, oh, I really like that. And it made us me think about Q. We say that Q is a sound. Okay, it's not a dogma, it's a sound. And I think for me, if we start setting too many goals for ourselves, they themselves can become sacred that then if we don't achieve them, that's when the whole cycle of failure comes in. Whereas if we live by a sound and a theme, and again, enjoying the process of growth and opportunity, I believe that we'll see different outcomes occur. Resolutions are a means to achieve aspirations, and every day is offering you an opportunity to reflect and hone in on the kind of person that you want to be and the character that you want to cultivate. It's from this perspective we make the relevant decisions as to what will serve us in achieving that end. So this new year, perhaps ahead of creating New Year's resolutions with a, 
Perhaps instead of creating New Year's resolutions with a perfectionistic mindset, which focus on our, focuses on our failures and that which we lack, make this a new beginning to be curious and be conscious in your new adventure. So in closing, look at yourself without blame or judgment, but with curiosity and compassion that asks, what do I want to do and who do I want to be? Realize that change is a gradual process that happens through practice. It's a transforming and a renewing of the way we perceive and the way that we view life. Remember, if you deify your resolution, the failure to uphold it will only ever create a feeling of failure. And lastly, in 2024, find a theme and a sound. Don't shame yourself into change but nurture and love yourself into evolution. Thank you very much. So, that video came to mind this week. Um, Chris had the idea to put all of that together for the Halloween masquerade that we did a few years back. Um, and I think it was resonating with me because often our New Year's resolutions, I think, can become an idea that there's somebody we want to become who's not us. And I think sometimes, well, I feel like the thread that's kind of been running through this morning is that sometimes those resolutions can be unhelpful. Um, sometimes they can help us get to where we want to. But I guess what Jim Carrey learned is that he had this huge aspiration. He got there and realized, ah, oh, that actually wasn't really what I wanted. Um, the general thought I want to pose this morning is I wonder whether sometimes a new year and a new me is not about adding lots of things to my life, but maybe it's about revealing what actually is already there underneath the surface. Excellent. Carl Jung, who was the founder of modern psychology, said this, the privilege of a lifetime is to become who you truly are. Uh, Joel mentioned how New Year's celebrations around the world often involve cleaning. And uh, I need to clean my windscreen on my car but not on the outside, on the inside, because somehow a couple of months ago when it was really frosty and wet, I wiped the inside of the windscreen. And now when I get in, it's like kind of still a bit grubby and dirty. Do you ever have that where you're looking out, especially on a sunny day, and you're like, I can't quite see it. Now, one of the things I loved that Joel was noticing on Claire's video, sometimes newness is not about actually adding something new into your life. It's about seeing that thing in a completely different way. I need to clean my windscreen so I can see things in a whole new way. I wonder whether clarity and newness for our new year might come from actually, what are the things that we need to wipe out of the way? What are the things we need to let go of? Now, I enjoy etymology. Anyone else into etymology? Excellent, I thought you would be. Uh, etymology is when you study where a word came from. Um, and when I was looking at resolution, um, there we go, that's what I googled. Uh, the thing that struck me was how one of the root words in Latin is to loosen or release something. Uh, if anyone watches Simpsons, then um, Mr. Burns often says, uh, release the hounds. And when you release something, you're kind of letting it loose. Um, so there's also that, you, maybe in a new year you're thinking, what do you want to release on the world this year? Is there something new you want to let out there? But I think there's also a newness that comes from just letting go of things that we've held onto for a long time. Jim Carrey talked about how often 
the person that we're trying to become often comes from a little bit of grit that was in our life at this point, and then we've built this whole personality or way of living or habits or lifestyle around the grit. And sometimes I wonder whether we need to go back to what are the things in our life or our past that we just need to resolve or let go of. It might be something somebody did or said, probably something a few years back, a while ago, that's become quite formative. And sometimes our resolutions are just like us struggling and grasping to overcome that little thing that happened years ago. When sometimes we just need to go back to that thing and be honest and say, I need to let that go. And maybe that will be a key to becoming a new person. So I wonder what that might be for you. I had a quote came to mind uh, this week. There's something that Ant said a while ago. Um, and then a podcast popped up on the podcast app that I was listening to when I was in here this week. And he said the exact quote. So I thought, let's have a look at it. And I can't read backwards. Can't, have I got it on here? No, I haven't. I'll read it here. Sometimes in mountaineering, a climber must release their grip on the rock and fully commit their energy to the attainment of another ledge. For a moment, they grasp nothing, but must take that risk to move on and ascend. So to get to where we might want to go to experience that newness, there might be some grasping, there might be some things that you're reaching for in life, but there has to be something that we let go of, because unless we let go of the old, we're never going to reach the new. Um, there's quite a few examples in nature of this. Think of trees when you look at them at the moment. <laughs> they got nothing. They're like, everything's gone. All the leaves are gone. They look completely bare and dead. And we've talked before about how seasons, you can feel like I've just lost everything. Sometimes we are in process and maybe part of what faith is, is trusting that we are in process. Um, in teaching George, one of the things we learn is like, when you make a mistake, that is not a bad thing. That's, a, that's actually a great thing. I remember Ant talking about testing concrete um, in his job and that you don't test concrete and go, yeah, I think that'll be all right, it's fine. Um, you test it until it breaks because you need to know the point at which it's at its weakest. When we fail, and failure's come up quite a few times this morning, hasn't it? Failure is something that actually, the reason maybe we rejoice in our failures is because actually that's how you become strong. Um, if we're doing a dance or we're doing music or you're practicing anything. When you fail, that's when you go, brilliant, that's the bit I need to work on. I don't need to work on all the stuff that's going brilliantly. I need to focus on the bit I can't do. And then by repetition and programming a thing, you get it and you progress. But actually failure is a massive part of that being in process in life. So don't see failure as a thing. I think I love what Joel said about perfectionism can actually make failure a problem when actually it's a natural part of process. Snakes lose their skins. Literally everything that was around them, the way that they were in the past, has to be stripped away so that they get their new underneath. There was a lady called Catherine of Genoa who lived 600 years ago. Um, and one day she had such a revelation of probably what we'd call this universal Christ that she ran out of her house and ran around the street and she shouted a phrase which was, my deepest me is God. My deepest me is God. I wonder whether part of what we are becoming as people is not, 
If we start from a place of, oh, I'm an awful person because of this thing that happened back in my life, or I'm so awful and so I need to go to the gym, or I need to do X, Y, and Z, or not eat, or whatever, to become this person, I think we'll miss the point of what newness is about. But I think if we start from the point of, my deepest me is God, that's that whole idea of the universal Christ idea, is that actually within each of us, we have that core essence of what is God. Life is about revealing that, not trying to become that. It will kind of already start on the finish line. Okay, I believe our time is up. But I want to pose a question to you before we sing. Um, what is it that you want to see as newness? You just, uh, Joel said it's not about necessarily having a specific, but having a theme. If you imagine, what is it that you want to imagine as newness? in your life, maybe set it over the next six months. Say like, what, what is it you'd like to experience or see? Maybe start from that point of saying, I already have everything within me. Do you remember the video, the Star Wars one we watched before Christmas? And um, Yoda said, the girl Ray already has everything in her that she already needs. I think that's a great concept to, to start from, to think, I already have everything that I need, so maybe life is about stripping away the stuff that's holding me back rather than necessarily having to constantly strive and grasp at things. So I wonder what that is for you. I just want to give you 20 seconds of silence just to have an opportunity to think, uh, and then we're going to finish with a song. So I look forward to seeing what that newness might be. Newness. It's got newness in it, hasn't it? I like that. By the way, happy birthday. Was it yesterday? Yeah, amazing. 28 all over again. Uh, can I just say a massive thanks to everybody this morning? Anybody who gets up to speak, it takes time and stress and effort to do it. But um, I think we've had some really cool stuff come. Um, so let's see what happens next week. Um, we have Rob coming in a few weeks, uh, and we also have very special Joel and Emil are going to do a collab in a couple of weeks as well. So we've got some cool stuff planned, but thanks for being here, and let's finish with a song that's all about being made new. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. Now, if you've enjoyed what you've heard today, then we would love to hear from you. Feel free to drop us an email to info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. Don't forget there are blogs and all sorts of media to be enjoyed at qyork.co.uk, which are welcome to browse at your leisure. Until next time, enjoy the quest. <laughs>